and welcome to the Lighthouse Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you to live your life well. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can jump on our website at differentlight.com.au and click the connect button. Or could we encourage you to also support our work by clicking on the giving button. Thanks so much for listening. All right, and welcome back to the Lighthouse Podcast. Pastor Andy Flaherty here, the spiritual formation and teaching pastor of Lighthouse Church here in sunny Wollongong. And I'm so thankful that you've chosen to listen to this podcast today. And my prayer is, and my hope is, that wherever you find yourself in life's journey, whether you're a churchy or a non-churchy or a believer or you used to go to church or you've been hurt by the church or whether you've never experienced the difference that being part of Christian community makes, wherever you find yourself listening to this, I'm thankful that you're taking the time to hear it. And I pray that it would be an encouragement to you most of all, that it would bring you peace and that it would help you move forward to live a flourishing, full and wholehearted life. So we're continuing our series, Lifestream. Now, Lifestream is more than just a series. For us, it's a, a model or a method in which we look at the good difference that Jesus makes in our life. And we understand it, not through a linear path, but actually we're gauging the difference He makes in six different regions of life that we all experience. These aren't common just to Christian people. We all find ourselves carrying doubts. We all find ourselves following someone or some things. We all find ourselves experiencing different levels of unity with the people around us and, and our felt experience of God, whatever that is. We all have curiosity about different things. And today we're looking at the region of searching. What we're aiming to do is to unpack what it is as a life experience, but then also analyze the good difference that the man and the actions of Jesus Christ, who we read about in the New Testament and the Bible, bring to us as we seek to emulate or copy or stream his way of life through ours into that space. And so we begin with the uh, the movement or the region or the journey of searching. And searching, you say, what is that all about? Well, searching is a, a little bit obscure maybe, but it's something that we all do. In fact, I might expand the title a little bit. Searching for truth or searching for meaning. This is a journey that is well and truly documented through humanity's experience of life so far. You don't have to look very far to realize that we all think searching for meaning is really important. Whether you're an everyday Christian or whether you're an everyday atheist, whether you're from Thailand or whether you're from England or whether you're from a developed Western culture or whether you're from a developing Eastern culture, wherever you find yourself, humans have this in common that at some point in our adolescent, late adolescent, early young adult life, we begin to start thinking about what we think about, why we're here. It's not new to people who are alive now. This is a human thing. We search for meaning. We want to understand why we're here 
and why and, and, and how we can contribute. Searching is important. In fact, um, it, it's not high order thinking. In fact, some of the simplest music of, of our time reflects this theme of searching for meaning. And don't get me wrong, I'm a fan of pop music. I think it's fun. I think anyone can enjoy it. I think it's simple. I think it's easy to learn. It's predictable. It feels like you know the song, even if you haven't heard it before. So it's super fun. And and pop musicians of the of the last few decades have written awesome songs about searching for meaning. You know, more recently, you have Chris Martin and the guys from Coldplay writing Viva La Vida, a massive hit in the last decade, where they uh, talk about um, hearing Jerusalem bells ringing and Roman cavalry choirs singing and and uh, St. Peter waiting at heaven's gate. All this kind of like Christian religious um, illusions in, in an effort to understand what it is to be face-to-face with death. It comes from the album of the same name, which is this really cool, imaginative uh, story of the French Revolution. And this song, the, the hit of the album, is about uh, King Louis's lost last speech before he is walked to the guillotine and uh, is executed in front of the people who, just some years earlier, were celebrating him as king. King Louis in the song is coming to terms with his imminent death and he can't help but bring religious language into that search. Why am I here? Why did my situation lead me to this point? Uh, A few years earlier than that, maybe the decade prior or two decades prior, we had Bono from U2 writing that he had climbed highest mountains, that he swam through the seas, but he still hadn't found what he's looking for. This incredible searching imagery in him. He'd gone to great lengths to try and understand why he's here, but he still hasn't quite figured it out yet. And then, of course, one of my favorites, River of Dreams by Billy Joel, who writes, In the middle of the night, I go walking in my sleep from the mountains of faith to the river so deep. I must be searching for something, uh, something sacred that I lost, but the river is wide and it's too hard to cross. And the song goes on, filled with American uh, gospel allusions that that paint a picture of his quest to find meaning, to search for meaning. It's interesting that, that pop culture, even though aspects of pop culture is really far removed from anything traditionally Christian, um, ironically, even like more modern artists like Sam Smith or um, Marilyn Manson, their intention to remove themselves from the impact of Christianity on culture is ironically connected to it because they're anchoring themselves to try and move away from Christian culture. Um, and so they're connected to it in, in a sense in that they, uh, they particularly celebrate images of sexuality and demonic things. And th- these are all concepts that emerged out of Christianity. So in a way, it's all connected. Any search for meaning, any artistic expression of, of looking for meaning uh, can't gloss over the fact that Christianity, Christ, heaven and hell, God, all has some 
sort of necessary stops in the journey of searching for meaning. If you're truly searching for meaning in life and not willing to at least visit and 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 understand some things about Christianity and Christian culture and the the human historical figure of Jesus Christ and what it means to experience him today in a spiritual sense if you're not willing to make any of those stops that's like searching for your keys at home and not looking under the lounge in fact that's exactly how Jesus taught it we pick it up in a story in Luke's gospel in Luke chapter 15, and Jesus is giving some teaching. He's sharing some ideas with, um, with, with a group of people, and he's talking about what it is to experience life in him and, and, and follow him, to have God in your life. And it's interesting that Luke notes the people he's speaking to. Chapter 15 verse 1 says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. It's so interesting that the, the, the people that the religion of the day had labeled as, as outcast and unwelcome are the very people that Jesus is encouraging to come and listen to his thought. Just the same way that Billy Joel writes in River of the Dreams. He, he's a he's a self-declared atheist, and yet he his song paints us a picture of how, in order to search for meaning, he he has to consider the answers or the the journey of faith in God. So he's listening. You could read it today as now the pop artists. And sinners, <laughs> we're all gathering around to hear Jesus. Before you get too judgy on me, whenever I see that word sinners, I put myself in that category straight away. I'm included in that. I am not without sin. Not for a second. Sin just being I've acted and thought in ways that God doesn't appreciate. And, and I know I'm in that number. But the good news is, is Jesus wasn't. And when I say that he's the master of my life, then I am also included in his number. People who have been like washed and freed from their sin. And that's a beautiful place to live life from. In fact, I think that that message is what was drawing people to listen to Jesus in the first place. That there is someone I can follow, someone I can listen to, someone who will speak with me and listen to me, who will call me out on my stuff, but not label me with shame and guilt. In fact, he'll call me out on my stuff and continue to invite me to follow him. What a beautiful person. What a great way to live. This is what Jesus is doing in this story. And... He begins to teach them. I'm going to skip down to the next teaching about what it is to really search for truth and meaning, to search for the reality of Jesus in your life. And he puts it like this in verse 8. Suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the whole house and search really carefully until she finds it? And when she does find it, she calls for her friends and neighbors together and she says, Rejoice with me, I found my coin. 
You can see that this lady who's lost her coin, this lady who's looking for something that's valuable to her, she's being methodical, careful, and she's making sure there isn't anything she's leaving unturned before she rejoices. Jesus says, in in the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of angels and God in heaven over one sinner who repents. All of heaven rejoices like the lady who found her missing coin after she had done a methodical and careful search for it. The way that we search for meaning and truth in our life should be methodical and careful. Not ruling out any one thing that we don't understand yet, but pausing, using our curiosity and our openness to fully understand things before we make decisions. But here's the catch. In in Jesus' idea, it's about searching through your life to find the things that you feel guilty about, to find the things that you feel shame for, to find the things that hurt you, to find the wounds, to find the unforgiveness, to find the greed, to find the things you lust over. These these things, they don't lead us into a life-giving experience of relationship with God, but nor should they label us as outsiders and unforgivable and forgotten Because as we search through our life and we find these things and we turn from them, Jesus says heaven erupts into rejoicing and praise. Stop and pause for that for a second. A lot of the Christian world is built around them or praising God. But in in an ironic twist, heaven actually praises and rejoices when a human comes face to face with their own heart and turns from what their shame and guilt is and turns to face God instead. You see it. This this story ends in the beautiful word, repent. Repentance, just quickly, is about turning and returning to a way of life that God initially intended for us. A childlike faith where we trust Him and we listen to Him and we do what He asks us to do. But as we become adults, we want to do our own things. We change direction. We turn. We face our own ways. But repentance is about turning and returning to God's way of life. When that happens, when you turn from the things that cause you guilt and shame to face God, a new direction, heaven rejoices. And this is the process of searching or what it looks like to journey through the life region of searching by searching for the good difference that Jesus makes, searching for the good deal of meaning that Jesus brings to our life when we follow him. Not only does heaven rejoice, but we're able to turn from the things that are hurting us in the first place. Our lives become changed for the better. Interestingly, though, change is a tricky thing, isn't it? I know there's plenty of things that I would like to change as I really consider myself. I'd like to consider changing the way I speak to my kids sometimes. Sometimes I can just find myself so cranky. I can be just, you know, shouting at them. Don't do that. 
don't do it that way. I ask you not to do this thing. This is a thing. And at one level, it's humorous. But at another level, I carry a lot of shame about it. And I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be remembered in their little minds as the guy that was just crankily telling them what not to do all the time. And if I'm going to be brutally honest with you, I think that there's probably other fathers and other parents out there that know that that's them too. That's what unites us in a sense, right? That's what makes all of us humans meet each other at the same level and go, you know what? Not a single one of us is perfect. If you're willing to meet me there on that level and recognize that there's things about you 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 want to change, then we should probably talk about change for a little bit. Change is an interesting thing and change is one of the key aspects of the searching region. As we search through the region, we find these changes we want to bring to our lives. But how do we enact those changes with accountability, with integrity, that they'll actually work? Well, I'm just going to take a few minutes to break down an idea of how it's how, how change can actually take place um, as opposed to like having the intent to change but never actually getting there. There's a Swedish study from 2020 and they looked at uh, about 1,066 different people who set New, Reso- New Year's resolutions for themselves resolutions to to change something about the way they were and they broke the study down into three groups they broke the participants down into three groups one of the groups they gave absolutely no support one of the groups they gave some support and the other group they gave extended support now the extended support group had uh, life coaches it had um, workshops on how to write resolutions well uh, they, they were given metrics on how to measure their way to approach change. And then the some support group did this class with the, um, the first group where they looked at change. And they looked at it from two different angles. They looked at uh, an avoidance-based approach to change versus an approach-based model towards change. Let me break those two ideas down for a second. Avoidance-based change is, is um, outlining the thing you want to change from and saying, I don't want to do that anymore. Take smoking, for example. New Year's resolution, I want to quit smoking. And a avoidance-based model would say that the goal is to quit smoking. And I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to smoke every day. And, and you're setting goals around it. The approach-based change model says well let's not talk about smoking at all and let's look at a behavior that you want to approach that will substitute replace smoking in your life perhaps it's walking so you build goals around walking that take you away from smoking here's the thing The people who did the best and saw their resolutions through to become habits and and discipline changes was definitely not the group that got no support. They dropped away fairly quickly. And it definitely wasn't the group that had extended support because they were coached into it and they took no ownership of it. It was actually the middle group who were taught first how to make an approach-based goal and then 
left to their own devices to follow through with it. And the conclusion was is that not only did they get a catalytic thought that helped them turn toward, and you hear that language, turn toward the change they want to see, but then release them to take ownership over the journey toward it. And these are the people in the study who are the most successful at keeping their resolutions and seeing them through. That's an interesting thought for a second. If you break that down, how much of what you know about the Christian faith is cased in telling you what you can't do? If that's you, I've got good news for you because the Christian way of life, the good difference that Jesus makes has got very little to to do with what you can't do and heaps more to do with you turning to face more positive and more life-giving, more wholehearted approaches to life and turning toward those that move you away from sense of guilt and shame and pain and forgiveness, unforgiveness, and toward things that are more life-giving for you. If that's not the case, then Jesus' teaching would have sounded very different. He wouldn't have said, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of angels and God over one sinner who repents. He would say, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing and presence of angels and of God over one sinner who doesn't do the things they're not allowed to do. Instead, he says he repents. It captures this approach-based change model. Instead of condemning myself about being the father who gets cranky and shouts at his kids, I turn from that and build a goal for myself to be the father who wants to give his kids confidence in who they are and to be present with them so they know I'm a source of security and safety and encouragement to them. And I focus on those things and how I'm to become those things. And I carry none of the guilt and shame attached to being a cranky dad. And all of the hope and the positivity and optimism and potential of being a dad who's a really great father in their life. That's the goal, not the description of. That's what I'm aiming for. But I wonder if you listen, if, if you can consider the difference that that makes. Well, well, here is the beauty of seeing the search for meaning that we all experience through the lens of the good difference that Jesus makes is that he asks us to search for meaning by turning toward him, his teaching, his lifestyle, and his perspectives, his attitudes and actions. And we're all invited to that. So how do we get there? How do we actually approach the approach-based goal that we want to get to? Well, my friends, it takes discipline. There's a reason why discipleship and discipline sound the same. Discipleship is about being a student and a learner and a follower of the way of life of Jesus. That's what Lifestream is all about. And discipline is how you get there. 
that is taking on the lessons, applying them and moving forward in what you've learned. It's about practice. When it comes to Christian spirituality and searching for meaning, searching for God, searching for truth, following Him, life streaming Jesus is about practicing the things that we're guided in. Disciples are simply people who are putting their faith into practice and follow others who do the same. In fact, you can't read any of the New Testament and see that discipline is not something that is thematic throughout the entire book. And of course, the New Testament is our textbook, if you will. It's the written authority on how we ought to live, what we ought to turn to, the kind of lifestyle we should approach. I'll give you some examples. In Luke 10.37, Jesus has just told the story of the Good Samaritan. And then as he finishes the story, he asks the people who are with him, who do you think had mercy in this story? Who do you think did the right thing? Of course, the answer clearly is the Good Samaritan, not the way that the religious leaders awkwardly walked past, but the person who is least likely to do the right thing was able to be kind and merciful to the Good Samaritan. And so Jesus encourages them, you've answered correctly, now go and do likewise. Take the same kind of attitude that you saw in the story I told and apply it to your own life as well. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul writes, Be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. In Philippians 4 verse 9, it says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. In 2 Thessalonians 3, 7-9, it says, For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us to give you in ourselves an example to imitate or 2 timothy 3 10 to 11 says you however have followed my teaching my conduct my aim in life my faith my patience my love my steadfastness and my persecutions and sufferings you have followed these things when you look at the stories in the new testament you can see that the discipline of learning the way of life of Jesus from one person to another is the way that it gets transacted. It's less about the right knowledge and more about imitating the right behavior or the most life-giving behavior. In order to really search for meaning, in the good difference that Jesus makes. You have to come alongside people who are living out the good difference that Jesus makes. You won't find this on YouTube or in a textbook necessarily, but you will find this by reading the stories of people in the Bible, but also watching the way that people do it today people who have followed others in their life and are imitating the good difference that Jesus makes in their life, into their life, into their life. There is a communal experience 
of the life stream of Jesus. That you, you cannot have an authentic search for meaning without coming alongside Christian community in some way or another. Now, it doesn't have to be a Sunday church. It could be around a family dining table. It could be over coffee with friends in, in, in a coffee shop. It could be by while exercising with, with friends. But in order to authentically search for meaning, We have to explore what Christianity has to offer. And to do that, we can, only, we can only fully do that alongside people who openly are living out the good difference Jesus makes. And then we get to decide whether or not we'll follow through, be disciplined enough to help those changes take hold in our life as well. This is what the searching region is about. And if you're encouraged by it, perhaps after the podcast, you could write to us and let us know what you thought. Or maybe just in your own life, you can go away and pray. I encourage you to pray, regardless of your experience of faith, whether you're in church or outside of church. I encourage you to just pause quietly in your own mind and say, God, if there is meaning and there is truth and there is goodness connected to you, then here is me initiating a search for it through prayer. And if you are there, can you can you give me something? Can you speak to me? Can you bring someone to my life who will help me search for the good difference you bring? Hey, thank you for listening. And I hope that this has been encouraging to you. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Lighthouse Podcast. We hope this message brings inspiration and encouragement to your day. If you want to check out any of our other podcasts or the work that we do or when and where we gather, jump on our website at differentlight.com.au. Catch you later.